Welcome to the Ocean Church Podcast. We hope this message inspires and encourages you in your journey of faith. Enjoy the message. As always, I'm going to read the Lord's Word, and I want to honor the Word as we stand at attention and read it collectively. And I am in the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, the account of Matthew. Jewish tax tax collector. He's accounting the moment when the disciples came to Jesus and they were like, Jesus, rabbi, teacher, teach us how to pray. So Matthew 6, some pastors, they will start off their message with like a funny joke, but I don't got time for all that. Like I just say, I'll be funny as we go. Come on, because God has a lot that he wants to say and we're just gonna dive into it. So here we go, Matthew 6, verse 5. I'm going to read through 13. I know we've been reading through 15, but I'm going to read through 13, and it's intentional. So, And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corner, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, that they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and say this with me. Shut the door. Shut the door, somebody. And pray to your father who is in secret. We talked about this the first week. Pastor Josh was here in Estero. I was in Cape. We talked about the significance of finding a secret place. Jesus, in this moment, he is deconstructing what the disciples' view or understanding of what prayer was. So he says, don't be like these jokers who stand and pray to draw attention. Instead, build an intimate relationship with your father. He says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... Do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Jesus now, he's like, now that we got that out of the way, he says, pray then like this. Let's say it together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's pray. Lord, our desire this morning is to understand what your kingdom looks like and what our responsibility is in that kingdom. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Turn to the person next to you and say, God wants to say something to you. He wants to say something to you. Turn to the other person on the other side and say, yeah, you too. <laughs> Last week, uh, we talked about, we leaned into to the start of, of verse 9. Pray then like this. We see Jesus setting a template, setting a standard, setting a model for how one is to pray. He doesn't say, when you pray, pray this. He says, when you pray, pray like this. He's not teaching them what to pray. He's teaching them how to pray because that was their request. So he says, okay, so now I'm going to teach you how to pray. The first thing you need to recognize is that it is our Father that you are praying to. 
not just my father. We see this in the account of the gospels. Jesus goes on to say, and there's different times where he says, my father who was in heaven, and, and he uses that terminology. But as he's speaking to the disciples, he says, I want you to know more than anything, more than God being a creator, more than God being a righteous judge, more, and more than God being the alpha and the omega, God is a father. He's our father. We also talked last week about the significance, this, this concept, this idea of God as Father. One of the most distinguishing aspects between Christianity and any other religion is God the Father. You look at Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam, all associated with prophet or celestial deity, Christianity, a son and a dad. A distinguishing factor, God the Father. Also, an, another distinguishing factor is it's one of the things, God the Father is one of the concepts that separates the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, from the New Testament. We see in the Old Testament, the idea of God as Father was used, about, was used only 15 times, spoken of only 15 times in the entire Old Testament. In the first four books of the New Testament, the four Gospels, the three synoptic Gospels, and the Gospel according to John, we see the word or term God the Father said over 160 times. Jesus is setting a precedent here for these disciples that says, hey, before I can teach you how to pray, you need to know who you're praying to and who you're praying to is a father. Yeah. And not only are you praying to a father, but you're praying to a holy God. He says, don't get it twisted. You can come to him, but do not think for a second that he is not set apart. He is not holy. We use these terms in church like holy. That just means set apart, that his name is set apart. He, he can be compared to no other thing, no person, no other spiritual entity that he is God and he is God alone. Hallowed be your name. And no, that is not where we get Halloween from. So just, just make sure that y'all know that. Just set, the, set it straight there. Okay. Hallowed be your name. So now that we understand who God is now, what do we ask for? First thing is we say, your kingdom come. Setting a precedent. Your kingdom. Everybody say kingdom. 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 I'm going to give you a definition of kingdom. And this is from the late... I wish, I wish this was my definition. Sometimes... It's funny, like as a pastor, sometimes you, you take quotes from people and you just say it. You're just like, I, I came up with this great phrase or this great quote, but I'm not going to do that. I want to give honor. Dr. Miles Monroe, one of the, the late great Dr. Miles Monroe went to be with Jesus in heaven in 2014. One of the great men of God that preached his life out when it came to God's kingdom. This is a kingdom. So you can get your phone out. They're going to have the... Uh, the definition on the screen so you could take a picture if you don't write very fast or come on somebody or you don't type very fast. Here we go. Here's what a kingdom is. It's a governing influence of a king over his territory, impacting it with, with his will, purposes, and intent that produces a citizenry who expresses his culture and reflect his nature. Somebody say, wow. I'm going to read that one more again. A governing influence of a king, a king that has governing influence over a territory. And he, the king seeks to impact that territory with his will, with his purposes, with his intent that produces a, citizen, a citizenry or a people who express his culture and reflect his nature. 
Psalm 24 tells us that the earth is the Lord's in the fullness thereof. God, God rules in heaven. His kingdom was established in heaven. He created earth and he created man as a representation of him to live in his kingdom and to rule and reign in this kingdom. He gave dominion to Adam. He said, take dominion and subdue the earth. Unfortunately, the enemy got the best of Adam and Adam forfeited. And by doing that, mankind forfeited their, their dominion and rule in this earthly realm and earthly dimension. And Satan at that time was able to establish a level of influence into what was supposed to be God's kingdom. So God still desired for his kingdom to be realized on earth. So he sent the second Adam, he sent Jesus to the earth to be the redemption or the purchase price to be established as a king so that his kingdom could once, once again be, be realized on the earth. Amen. You following me for a second? So we see this God's desire to have his kingdom represented on the earth. So he sent Jesus to reestablish God's rule over the earth. Repeat after me. Jesus, Jesus, say it like you mean it. Jesus, Jesus. is king. Jesus, Jesus is king. Jesus. In the definition, a, a citizenry, a people who will express his culture and reflect his nature, reflect the nature of the king, reflect the nature of Jesus. This is the desire. This should be the desire of our hearts. What is a kingdom? We learned about that. Now let's talk about what a kingdom is not. The first thing a kingdom is not is it's not a religion. Ooh, come on, somebody. Nothing. All right. So, so religion. So God can use religion to establish his purposes, but God's desire was to establish a kingdom, his kingdom that would come from heaven and would be established in the earth. See, religion is based off of system, systems, rules, and steps, but kingdom is based on culture. God's desire was to not establish a religion. God's desire was not even to establish the church. He establishes the church to be used for his kingdom purposes. It's, it's the idea of putting the cart before the, her, the horse, amen? So, and here's, here's the reality, is that, the second thing, let me, let me share this with you first. The second thing that a kingdom is not, is it's not a democracy. Hallelujah, somebody. Like, it's not, a, it's not where the people rule, it is where a king rules, and, and, and often at times, uh, for those of us that are born in kind of Western civilizations with a Western culture and, and mindset and ideologies, even based off of a lot of Greek individualism, the Bible at times is at risk of being misinterpreted. Because what we do is we take our American understanding and we try to use that to interpret the Bible when the Bible was written with a Jewish communal context in the context of kingdom. Not democracy, right? Also, what it is not, and it's not up here, but just kind of in that same vein, it's not a theocracy. Maybe you're familiar with that term. We see in the Old Testament where God established kings that were, were in, in a lot of ways, they were political figures, and God used 
uh, God's desire to see his kingdom on earth was being done through a political influence, but that's not the kingdom that Jesus came to establish. It's not a theocracy. The kingdom is not a theocracy. Last thing that it's not is it's not a republic. Because unlike presidents, kings can't be voted out of office. This is why I'm so grateful. Thank you, Lord. That regardless of what goes on, I don't serve. I don't just serve a man. I serve a king who will never be dethroned, who will reign forever. The Jewish, even even as Jesus is establishing his earthly ministry and doing it amongst the Jews, uh, the Jews were waiting for Messiah. In a lot of ways, a lot of the Jews around the world are still waiting. They 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 missed it. They 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 don't see the significance of the Anointed One that was that had already come in Jesus. So they were waiting for someone who would uh, alleviate this influence of this corrupt Roman government. They were waiting on Messiah who would liberate them out of this regime of, of, of the Roman Empire. But instead, what they got was a king riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. Just an aside for two seconds. So there were two things that disrupted the religious leaders of that time. Two things. Uh, with Jesus. One was that Jesus was claiming to be the son of God. Blasphemy, they said, the son of God. Who does this man think he is? The second thing that which one of the things that they used to conspire with the Roman government is they said, Jesus is claiming to be a king who is going to overthrow you. He wasn't claiming that. He was claiming to be a king, but he wasn't saying I was going to overthrow the government. He was just saying that I am am a king. So the, the, the religious leaders used this against him, Jesus, as a king in our prayers. So pray first, bringing it back to this thought. Our prayers must reflect the reality that we are praying not as American citizens. Come on, somebody. I'm and let me just say I am grateful to be an American citizen. I am grateful for this country. Like every country got jacked up stuff just in case you didn't know. But I am grateful to be an American. Amen. Yeah. Where I can worship my God freely. Do you realize, do y'all realize that people are literally dying for their belief systems around the world? So for that reason alone, thank you, Lord, that you've given me a country where I don't have to fear death. But when I, so, but when I pray, I don't posture myself as an American. I posture myself as a citizen of God's kingdom. This is how I posture my heart. And let me reiterate before I move on, just what our heart for you is, my brothers and sisters in this series, Pray First is that we would make sure that prayer is our first response and not our last resort. We make sure, like I was saying last week, we make sure that it is our steering wheel and not our spare tire. Come on, somebody. Oh, man, it's gotten bad. We need to get that. We broke down. Our life is broke down on the side of the road. We better get prayer out. God's desire is for us to seek him first. So we look at Matthew 6, 10. Let me keep it moving here. Your kingdom come. 
your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Two things I'm going to give you. First thing, when we pray, we pray, we must pray for the coming kingdom. The cry for his kingdom come is a cry of redemption that says, Lord, restore us, O God, to the original place that you intended us for to intended us to live as sons and daughters in your kingdom. Praying your kingdom come is us setting our hearts in a posture to say, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Lord, I stand ready for you to return. And a lot of times I was even thinking about, I didn't say this the other two services, a lot of times we're like, yes, Lord, return, return. But then sometimes I think of my family members that ain't saved yet. And I'm like, Lord, come on, somebody. I'm like, Lord, give us time. Because we know, Lord, it's your desire that you, you came to see that none should perish, but that all would come to the saving knowledge of Jesus. And while, yes, we stand ready and we look forward to Jesus returning, I also pray for those that have yet to receive Jesus. So we stand ready. The book of Revelation read a scripture verse to you in, in Revelation 22. And if I could for a minute, just uh, the book of Revelation is probably, if not uh, one of the most, it is probably the most prophetic book in the Bible. It is often looked at and spoken of with a lot of mystical and uh, things that are so difficult to understand. And, and there is a lot of great mysteries of Christ in that. But here, who Revelation, here is the good news. Ooh, so I want you to know, for those of us that have been bought and redeemed by the blood of Jesus, the book of Revelation is good news. Here, here's, let me just, for some of y'all that are like, man, I've been studying Revelation or I've heard of it. And I just, I know that it has to do with destruction and, and like different types of animals and like all this different stuff. And I don't really fully understand it. But here, here, let me break it down for you. All right. I'm ready to, I'm ready, I'm ready to break Revelation down for you. Here we go. In the end, we win. We win. We win. We win. Why? Because there's a king who's coming back for his citizens, who's coming back for his people. Revelation 22, 17 through 20. Really, uh, I wanted to lean in on 17 in, in verse 20, but I, I didn't want to take out the context. So I'm, I, I'm leaving it in there, verses 18 and 19, and allow the Holy Spirit to minister to you. The spirit and the bride say, come. Everybody say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. Let the one who desires to take the water of life without price. Ooh. I warn everyone who hears the words of this prophecy, of the prophecy of this book, he's saying, if anyone hears this reading or understanding of the book of Revelation, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book of, the, of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, and he's, John is talking about Jesus in this moment, says, he who testifies these things says, surely I am coming soon. And, and John, who wrote this book, the one whom Jesus loved, he's in his old age, and he finishes up and he says, amen. Come, Lord Jesus. I establish my days as those that look forward to the Lord coming back to fully restore me and the earth. 
Here's the second thing. We pray for the present kingdom. While we look forward to God's kingdom returning so that we can fully, we know him in part, the Bible says now, but when we see God face to face, we will fully know him. But even still, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's present. It's here. It's in this building. It's all around us. Oftentimes, uh, when I go on missions trips, here is the thing I always come back recognizing. When I see people worshiping God in different languages, come on somebody, I always come back and I say, wow, God, your kingdom is much, be- much bigger than I often give, it credit for, often give credit for. God's kingdom. God's kingdom. And, and here's the thing about God's kingdom, praying God's kingdom in our life. We cannot cry, thy kingdom come while we're trying to promote our own kingdom. Come on, somebody. See, one of the, one of the biggest challenges, really almost daily, even you see Paul saying this like, I, I die daily, he says. He uses that terminology. One of the biggest challenges I have every day is dethroning Phil. Is taking myself up off the throne and allowing Jesus to take that seat in my life as king to establish his rule and reign in my life. So when we say your kingdom come, that's a cry to say, I am getting up off the throne of control and ruling in my life. And Jesus, I'm allowing you to take the wheel. I'm allowing you to be the king. The greatest threat. See, oftentimes we think the greatest threat to our lives is the kingdom of darkness. Jesus made an open show of the kingdom of darkness on the cross set them straight. So often now the biggest battle, the biggest threat that we face is not the kingdom of darkness. It's the kingdom of self. The kingdom of self. Paul, Paul, we see this even in Romans chapter seven, where he's saying, I find myself, oh, wretched man, like I find myself, the things that I don't want to do, I find myself doing. There's this internal struggle that goes on, but still, there are battles. We talk about the kingdom of darkness. There are battles that wage in the heavenly realms. And asking God, your kingdom come, is saying, Lord, would you come? Would you raise up a standard against the kingdom of darkness? This is a request that we make in prayer. Ephesians six 12, you're probably familiar with it. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. Let me stop right there. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We do not wrestle against people. If we fail to acknowledge that demons and principalities, that angels are not real, we will always be looking at people as the problem. Come on, saints, come on. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. So uh, uh, a lot of biblical commentary will... will, um, Speak to the the spirit realm as the parental realm, as the realm that gives birth to what happens in this natural realm. So we see God, who is a spirit, he is hovering over the waters and and he says, let there be light. So he gave birth in the spiritual realm. Well, He he spoke in the spiritual realm and it gave birth. It, it, It was affecting what happened in this earthly realm. 
So in the same way, all the craziness we see going on across America, come on somebody, all the craziness on the news, everybody rising up, all the different angst that is happening, please recognize it is a reflection of what's going on in the spiritual realm. This is why we submit our hearts to a spirit in God. We submit our hearts to the Father and we say, your kingdom come. Your will be done. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Praying your kingdom come is a cry to the king. It's a cry to Jesus. It's a cry to our father that through the power of the Holy Spirit, he would position himself between us and the cosmic powers that are wreaking havoc on the earth. And we cannot pray for the kingdom of God to invade our lives if we do not accept the king. This is the first step. Your kingdom, this is not just something that we recite rhythmically, poetically. Maybe you grew up and it was just like, yep, we used to say that prayer every day and we know that prayer really well. Prayer, let me just remind you, prayer is a lifestyle. Come on, somebody. We're, we're doing baptisms in a second. Whew, I can't wait. I'm so excited. Oh, Jesus often, it said, well, who should get baptized? Well, well, Jesus was baptized. So let's just start there. And if we're trying to be like Jesus, then we should be baptized too. I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. But we see in Matthew chapter three, Jesus is, 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 is getting baptized. John the Baptist baptizes Jesus comes up out of the water, a voice appears from heaven and says, this is my son who I am well pleased. Jesus is led by the Holy Spirit now into the wilderness where he is now tempted by Satan. He comes out of that. The angels minister to him and he gets ready to get after it and establish his earthly ministry. This is where we find Jesus in chapter four of Matthew. Verse 12. Now, when he had heard that John the Baptist been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and again, really, I wanted to hit on 17, but I want to put it in its full context here. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. Woo. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death on them, a light has dawned. Verse 17. From that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus is speaking. He's saying the kingdom, that which God is desiring to establish on earth has come. The kingdom, while it's not a religion, it is not a democracy, it's not a theocracy, it's not a republic, but the kingdom is a person first. Woo. The kingdom is represented by Jesus. And now his purpose is to be lived out. Let me, just, let me just hit on that word repent because that's just another one of those spiritual words we hear and we may not know the full and honest definition of what it is. Repent simply means like this. I am walking this way in my life. I encounter Jesus. He spins me around. I can see the Father now, and I start walking back to the Father. This is what repentance is, y'all. This is the step that we take. 
the first thing. Uh, I don't know about y'all, but in 2020, uh, my prayer life has been needed more in 2020 than it ever has been. And I want you to know, I alluded to it last week, our prayer life is what will be needed to fully embrace what God is desiring for us to receive and do in his name. Amen. So the first thing we request after we acknowledge his goodness, our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. We ask for his kingdom to come, his culture to be established, his nature to be reflected on the earth and in our lives. And that happens through you, my friends. Some of you signed up today to be baptized. I want to go ahead right now. I want to release you to go, go ahead and stand up. And I want you to go ahead. You go to that back door over there and you're going to get and go ahead and get baptized. Come on, let's, let's give it up for these people that are making the decision. Woo! Hey! Ha. Um, let me tell you a little bit about, about Phil. If I can, I remember I, I got baptized at 13 years old. And, uh, you know, prior to that, I, you know, as a kid, I had a drug problem. My parents drug me to church every week. It was, it was amazing. <laughs> it's a little joke. It's a little preacher joke. But I remember at 13 years old, um, which is interestingly enough, 13 years old is, is when the Jewish community acknowledges a boy to become a man. And you see a bar mitzvah that takes place. But at 13 years old, I said, I don't get all of it, but I know that there is a God. And I recognized that, that Jesus was significant in his life and his ministry and what he was presenting was very unique and different. And I didn't make sense of it all, but I, something in me said I needed to take this step of faith and be baptized, so I did. It's often asked of us, hey, can somebody go to heaven, be saved, and not be water baptized? And often the context that people will use to, you know, support that thought is, well, you know, look at the thief on the cross that was next to Jesus. Jesus turned to him once this thief acknowledged him and said, you are the Lord. Jesus said, this day you will be with me in paradise. So like they didn't have time to get him off the cross and back, baptize him in water. So yeah, I'm sure he went to heaven. But if we look in the book of Acts, we look even as Jesus is talking about the great commission in Mark 16, he's saying, be saved and baptized. Baptism, an outward expression of the decision that you made in your heart to follow Jesus. Romans 10, 9 says that if we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior and we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We see this connection between baptism being the first step even as a disciple of Jesus. And really, we have the water tank here which, by the way, just so you know, just disclaimer, anybody that's watching online or anybody that's in here that's like, how are they baptized? We, we put sanitary water in there and, and come on, there's like chlorine and stuff. And we had to get test strips, y'all, to test the, the, the acidity and the, oh God. Hey, the, the water's clean. Just like that's, that's, just want y'all to know that. 
but taking the step of baptism. This word, it comes from the Greek. I always like to say, I know just, I know a little Greek. His name's Mykonos. He owns a diner down on 41. I'm just, I'm just making sure y'all are still awake. That's all. Like, I know this is a sacred moment, but the word baptism in the Greek is baptizo. So some will say baptism is the same as throwing water on somebody's head. And okay, there's maybe, I don't know. That, I mean, baptism, baptizo, the Greek word is to be fully submersed. This is the literal Greek translation of the word baptism, to be fully submersed. So when we identify in baptism, we are identifying with the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus. I'm not just grateful that Jesus died for my sins, but I'm grateful that he rose from the dead and he's offered me new life. Come on, somebody. Would you stand with me? Let's stand together. There's, there's, there's some of you that You've been, you've been operating in the things of God. You've been coming to church. You've been doing the deal. You've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you've never been baptized. Don't, today's the day. Today is the day to be baptized. You say, Brother Phil, that's cool, but I didn't bring any like clothes or anything. I know you talked about like the water and the chlorine, and I, and I trust you that it's sanitary, but I didn't bring any clothes. We got you covered. We say, all right, well, that's cool, but I don't, I mean, I don't want to drive home in a wet shorts and a t-shirt. I mean, we got towels too. Don't worry about it. Someone was getting baptized by one of the disciples. Uh, the, 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 the context escapes me, but they had asked the disciple this question. They said, the water is right over there. What's keeping you from baptizing me? And they went down and they... And this individual was baptized. So I ask you the question, what's keeping you today? Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, even as I've talked about baptism and identifying with you, Lord Jesus, God, I'm so grateful that it's your desire for your kingdom, your your perfect order, a kingdom identified by peace, righteousness and joy in the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'm grateful that your kingdom came back to the earth. Lord, that your kingdom came so that you can establish your kingdom on earth through us. But Lord, today I I pray for the salvation of some people in here today. Today, you need to take a step The Lord spoke to you in this. Maybe you were in worship and you said, I have never been in an environment like this. I don't know why the Lord is moving. I feel my emotions flaring up. I don't know what's going on, my brother and sister. I'm here to tell you it is the spirit of God that is wooing you and drawing you back, wanting you to come home. So if you need to make a decision right now, maybe you have in the past, but you need to fully embrace salvation, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to just go ahead and raise your hand if that's you. If you need to receive Jesus as your Lord, as your Savior, as the author and the finisher, if if that's you, you can just pray this prayer with me inside. Lord Jesus, today I repent. And Lord, I turn to you Your word tells me that if I confess with my mouth that you are Lord 
and I believe in my heart that God the Father raised you from the dead that I will be saved. So today, based on that confession and that belief, I am saved. And Lord, for my brothers and sisters who desire to put you first in prayer, Lord, would you seek our heart, search our heart, oh God. And Lord, we declare your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Did y'all get anything out of that word today? Amen. We hope you were encouraged by the message today. A special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can like, subscribe, or share it with someone. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.